And we're live. Welcome to another Couch GM podcast, live uh, talking all things college football. I'm here with Will Ortner once again. Thanks for joining us. And yes, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're going to get into, we're going to start off with the recap of this last weekend's slate of games because it was a, it was a packed slate uh, specifically for the Pac-12. You have to start with number eight ranked Oregon versus number seven ranked Washington in Seattle. The first time that those two teams faced each other, both top 10 teams. What, what a, what a game that was. Right. It's, it's an instant ESPN classic so far. It's been the best game of the college football season. You went into it with a bunch of hype and then it seems to kind of outperform that hype, right? There was never a point where you really wanted to count either team down. I mean, Shoot, you can look at it. Oregon was down by 11 at different points in the second half. You never wanted to count them out. They were able to roll their way back into it. And then it's like, oh, it seems like they have everything rolling. You look over the sideline, Michael Penix is rapping. Couldn't be cooler, right? And all of a sudden, he's going to lead his team down and take the lead back. And then you've got a kick at the very end. And then college kids storm the field. It's what makes college football so special, right? You're going to get better games with the NFL. They are all pros. What you're not going to get in the NFL is that pure joy and excitement that is around your big team playing in their big game and it mattering for stuff later on. This was the quintessential college football game where everything was on the line. It's your most hated rival. You yell at these people all because they're in a different state. And it comes down to a last second field goal. It can't be better. And a preview of a future Big Ten rivalry, it looks like. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't it didn't score like a Big Ten game. It was no Iowa, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it looks like so Michael Penix Jr. finished twenty-two for thirty-seven, three hundred and two yards, four touchdowns, oh. one interception. Bo Nix on the other end had a great game as well, thirty-three for uh, forty-four. 337 yards, two touchdowns, and then both running backs for both teams had solid games as well. Um, to start off yeah. the game, Michael Penix was throwing a bit. He had some success down the field. And then on the other end of the ball, you had Bucky Irving that was just mm -hmm. running right up the middle, basically able to find those gaps. And he finished with 22 carries, 127 yards. For UW, Dylan Johnson also showed out quite a bit, two, mm -hmm. uh, 20 carries for 100 yards. So really all sides of the offensive ball, both teams did, did really well. Move it. Yeah, Johnson surprised me. I was not expecting a big game from him. He hasn't been a big deal for most of this season for UW. So to see him explode for 100, especially against that Oregon Duck defense, that's a good defense. I don't care what anybody else says. That's a really darn good defense. I, I still think they're a little bit better than UW. Um, UW might have a little bit better of a pass rush, and that kind of – neutralizes what a lot of other teams are going to do, especially when they're passing the football. But from what I saw out of Oregon, I think that's the best defense right now in the Pac-12 next to Utah, obviously them being number one. So for Johnson to go out and have 100 yards, that was huge because now Oregon can't sit back and either dial up all the blitz pressures and pass pressures that they wanted to, or they couldn't trust you know their guys to sit back in coverage, have an even box, basically have six men in the box, and then trust that their D-line is going to get the job done. They had to add that seventh guy into the box. They couldn't just leave that box, even numbers, everyone else drop into coverage. Johnson running the football is probably the X factor for UW, even though he's not going to get any of the love. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, yeah, he was putting it up. And he surprised me also. You know, I haven't watched too much UW football this year, but Dylan Johnson was the name that I didn't really know much of. I knew of Bucky right. Irving. I didn't know of really much of Dylan Johnson. So he looked he looked great. Right. Bucky, they they really leaned on him too in that offensive line. Uh, I, when you go out and you have Bucky Irving and Jordan James, and they both average, I think it's 5.8 and 5.9, and I can't remember which had 5.8 and 5.9, but basically you're averaging six yards a carry. That's a pretty good number for Oregon, and that's what I said going in. I said that's going to be your X factor. Now, I didn't expect Bucky to get 22 attempts. I think that's the most attempts he's had this year by, like, I think it's about eight or nine attempts on the season. Most of the games he's getting – you know, 11 to 13, not much more That's than it, that. Really. So you get 22. Yeah, 22 is huge. And uh, for Jordan James to get a bunch of rushes too, that was huge. But the irony is, is that kind of kept them in the game later on, right? Like they were still able to run and gash UW when they needed to, unless it was fourth down. But they were able to get those big long runs and keep UW having to keep six guys, seven guys in the box. And that allowed Bo Nix to start finding some more open targets and really it helped spark that comeback when they were down by 11. And speaking of fourth downs, let's talk about those couple fourth down plays. <laughs> so the first one is right before halftime, UW is trying to run out the clock before half, maybe get some points on the board. It's fourth in a couple uh, right. around the 40, the 45. They decide to go for it. The play call was suspect to me. Uh, you know, it was a fullback kind of outplay. And they threw it to a fullback, fourth and three. It was kind of a long pass. Uh, on the replay, it hit the ground, but the call stood as a catch. Uh, what were your thoughts right. on that call? Well, so I know a lot of people are going to get mad about it hitting the ground, but to me, it's a catch, and here's why. When he has his hands underneath the ball and he falls, he falls so his shoulder and the ball hit the ground. But at no point does the ball move. So what they're looking for there and where most of these incompletions are is you can watch the laces when a guy hits the ground and their shoulder hits the ground with the ball, it'll move. And that tells them that they don't have full control of it. When you watch that play over again, he has both his hands underneath and just by the way that he falls, the tip and his shoulder hit. But the ball itself doesn't move. You can watch the laces. They stay right up and down like this. So that's why it's going to be a catch. Now, it is the ultimate ball don't lie because two plays later, I think Penix throws a pick. Yeah. Uh, and – Oregon fans, if that would have been a big part of the deal, of course they're going to hammer and cry about it. But I do think that the referees made the right call on that. Uh, I'm more impressed that Penix was able to get that ball away because he had so many guys in his face. If he has a good throw on that, that fullback might have turned that into six. So Oregon should count their lucky stars that it was only a controversial uh, barely catch, right? Yeah. And then uh, at, at the end of the game, University of Oregon also had a, had a fourth down. Uh, pretty much the same field position, I want to say. And then, you know, they decided to go for it, put the game on ice. Um, they ended up not getting that, and they, that gave UW the ball in good field position with a little time left, and Michael Penix was able to make it happen. So what did you right. uh, see out of that one? Right. So when you look at the stats for this game, Oregon should have won. You have 100 more yards than Washington. You have 10 more minutes of time of possession. You had a better first down percentage, second down, third down. The only spot where you dub beat you is on fourth down. You had more passing yards. I know this is controversial. I think Nick's outplayed Penix. I really do. Uh, it's close. It's not like he blew him out of the water, but it's right there. Uh, your rushing attack, you ran the ball better than you dub did. 
defensively, you created a turnover, but on fourth down, you went 0 for 3. There's one where I have a little bit of real time, hey, I don't like that call. Right before half, it is fourth and goal. I think you're around the four or the five, maybe. Just kick the field goal there. I know you're down one going into half, but you get the ball back. Worst case scenario, you go three and out like you did. UW gets the ball back. They drive down. They score. It's still a one-possession game. That is the only spot where I had an issue with them going for it. After that, Dan Lanning's known as a gambler, right? Like, that's what he likes to do. He calls the, the fake punt against Colorado when he's deep in his own zone, only up by 13. Last year against UCLA, he calls an onside kick in the middle of the game just for the heck of it, right? And they got it, and it's huge. And so a lot of the same Oregon fans right now that are complaining about him going for it on, you know, fourth down uh, in those three spots, they're the same people that were praising him. So when I look at the second fourth down that he went for it, you're down by 11. It's fourth and three or fourth and four, and you're inside of the red zone. If you kick the field goal there, you're still down a possession. And if UW goes down and scores a touchdown, you're down 15. So what's the point, right? So to me, I say go for it. I just didn't like the play call. I feel like what happened is Penn, or Bo Nix, excuse me, he saw his number one wide receiver, Troy Franklin, one-on-one against Muhammad and said, well, I'm going to trust my guy to go make a play. When you watch that play, he has a trips bunch set. Treshawn Holden runs a slant on that. He is wide open in the middle of the field. Minimum first down, probably scores a touchdown. Instead, Nix forces a 50-50 ball to his wide receiver, and his wide receiver isn't able to come down with it. It wasn't the best throw of all time, but it was in a spot where only Franklin could get it. And I know this because it hits him in the groin when he doesn't catch it. Like it couldn't have been in a more perfect spot, but Muhammad had a huge game and he really made it difficult for Franklin. Right? So then you fast forward to that next fourth down. I think they should have had it on third down. Your right tackle doesn't cut inside of the DN. The DN crosses his face is able to make a stop there on Jordan James. It causes the use their final timeout, but it also puts you in that fourth and two. I like going for it there because the way UW had been going, let's say you do punt there. Do you really think UW wasn't going to drive down and score the way that they've been moving the ball all game long? So basically what you're telling me is you want your team to punt and bleed slowly and lose slowly as opposed to let's go for it all right here. If I'm a fighter, if I'm a football player, I want to die on my shield. I want to go out punching. I don't want to sit in the guard and die slowly while the team marches back. So let's go for it, right? I don't love the play call. I feel like you're rolling Nick's across his body. I think in this situation, the best opportunity was for him to actually roll to the short side. UW's defensive ends, uh, you got Trice, and then I absolutely butcher the kid's name, but he's number four. He had destroyed Oregon's right tackle all night long when he was in those two guys they win their battle so now it's you know they're chasing Knicks no one is winning a one-on-one from the wide receiver position so Knicks has to throw a tough ball to Troy Franklin Franklin cuts in the throw is out and it falls incomplete if I'm an Oregon fan to me I want to go out swinging I don't want to punt there your defense hadn't shown that you can stop them yes UW scored in two plays and that's huge but if you want to look at that defense, I believe the safety is Addison. If Braylon Addison turns around on that first throw to Polk, you intercept that ball and you win that football game. 
but he doesn't turn around and doesn't locate the ball. Polk's able to make the catch. Next play, Odunze scores. And then, even with all that, you still have a minute 30, I believe, to drive down and set yourself up for a position to tie this game and to go into OT. I feel like you went out, guns a-blazing, and you still were almost able to salvage it. If you convert on any of those fourth downs, you kick the field goal in the first one. You throw for a touchdown in the first one. You throw for a touchdown in the second one, or you make a completion on uh, the third one. You win that football game. And your coach gave his players the best chance to do that, I believe. So I can't be mad at it if I'm an Oregon fan. I know a lot of people need jerk. It costs us everything. It really costs you nothing. Because if you win the rest of your games, the rest of the way out, you're going to knock everyone else off in front of you, and you're going to get to that Pac-12 championship game, and you're probably going to get another shot at, at UW. If you beat UW, you're going to avenge your only loss. A one-loss Pac-12 champion gets into the playoff this year. If you're UW, you got to be on cloud nine because not only do you control your destiny on going to the college football playoff and the Pac-12 championship game, you also have breathing room that no other team in the conference has. If you want to make the postseason this year, UW can still probably lose a game. I would almost say definitely lose a game and make it in because a one-loss team makes it in. Everyone else in the conference has a loss, and that's huge for UW. Yeah, and like you mentioned, UW, two plays, 53 yards, 33 seconds, two completions, one to uh, Jalen Polk, and then the second one to Roma Dunze to score. Uh, yeah, they got the ball with 149 left. They gave it back, it looks like, with 138 left. Um, just, just dotting them up. So the people who wanted to punt, you want them to go 20 more yards? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, that's what you're doing. I want to die slowly. He is and, trusting and his defense. It's and if brutal. and if the Ducks did get the first down, then they're getting all the praise for for right. making that call and winning the game. So right, right, big balls chip or big ball. Well, they used to call it <laughs> big balls chip Kelly. Big balls Dan Lanning. Hey, if he gets one of those, you love it. You love the Colorado play. You don't get to complain about the UW plays because eventually they're going to hit. And for Lanning, they hit at about a fifty percent clip. You just got unlucky in this situation. Happens. All right. Yeah. Great game. Moving on to, uh, let's go to Stanford and, and the Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> so Colorado what goes into game. halftime up 29. Uh, Shadur Sanders is posting on his Instagram, a link to buy some of his t-shirts. And then they, they come out in the second half and Stanford comes back. What was it? Double overtime, something like that. And Stanford yeah. beats them 46, 43, Double the downfall team. of the buffs continues. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, at this point, uh, this was a one. This was a game you had to chalk up in the win column for Colorado. You would have thought that they would have won this game. I don't know how they make the a bowl game now. I really don't because when you look at that schedule that they have remaining, I think they've got UCLA, USC, Arizona's in there. They might have. I think Utah's in there. They've got five games left. There's not two wins in there. Before, it's like, well, you got five games. You're a good enough team. Maybe you knock someone off you're not supposed to. The fact that their defense killed them, and you know what's crazy? The guy that killed you is probably your best corner, but it's his first game back. Travis Hunter got eaten alive by that Alec Amier guy. I believe that's his name. Dude had no catches going into the second half. He finishes with 13 for 294 and three tuds. 
Jeez. Unbelievable. <laughs> Including the one where he catches it over Hunter's head and pulls it in for a touchdown in the first overtime. The dude was absolutely killing it. But this is this is Colorado, man. Uh, you know, we talked about it. They are 75% of a good team. They struggle in the trenches, and Stanford was able to take advantage of that in the second half. And this Colorado team did something that a lot of undisciplined teams do, and they stopped. They thought they won. It's over. I don't think Shador Sanders was actually posting at halftime. At least I really hope not. <laughs> I think what I saw he did a time is he stamp, scheduled... and that's why it looked like it. <laughs> no, no, he did it, the post. Went Maybe out, his manager. <laughs> Well, what I was I was thinking he might have scheduled it. Like he went into Hoot Suite or whatever and okay, yeah, scheduled yeah. like a, a timed <laughs> out thing. I really hope he wasn't on his phone right. testing it out. I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But when you look at this game, this is what Colorado's issues are. They don't finish. They are susceptible to get burned by any team that they play because they're not bounds better than everybody talent wise. They're 75% of a good team, maybe 65% of a good team. They're able to knock off a couple teams early because no one was expecting it. Well, people are expecting it now, and they've got film on you. It's like when you have a rookie quarterback that starts the year really hot, and they're really good, and then all of a sudden in the middle of the year, it's like, whoa, they fell off. What happened? Well, guys got film on you. They know what you're trying to do. They know what you do well, and they're going to take that away. And in a lot of these cases, they took it away. And then defensively, Travis Hunter just looked rusty as hell. He looked so, so rusty. And Travis Hunter took a hit in, I think it was overtime in the end zone that looked mm -hmm. like, I mean, that could have done some damage again. That's football's a brutal sport. Um, yes. But, yes, but looking, at, <laughs> looking at the, their remaining schedule, I mean, all these teams, I don't see how they beat any of them, to be honest. They have next week, no. it's at UCLA versus Oregon State versus Arizona, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who's yep. highly underrated team at highly Washington underrated. at Washington State and then at Utah to finish it off. I don't know if Colorado wins another game this year. No, I don't disagree because I think going into the year, you kind of look at it and you go, well, they'll probably knock off Arizona and then that'll make sure that they're actually in, you know, the postseason. And then after that, you know, hey, they're a frisky team. Maybe they can beat someone that they're not supposed to. Maybe they can sneak up on someone. I don't see how you sneak up on two teams. This Arizona team, maybe they're fool's gold. I know we're going to get into it more, but, dude, I'm buying into what Jed Fish has got going on over there. I'm buying in uh, to the Bearcats. Maybe, maybe you sneak up on UCLA, but that defense is for real. I, I think what happened is they started out really hot, and they caught some teams by surprise, and then you got film on them. And now teams are exploiting those weaknesses. And you're seeing what they truly are. They're better than what they were. Maybe they get to that fifth win, but they're not going to be a bowl eligible team. Yeah. Did you see uh, Coach Prime's talk after the game in the locker room? Uh, I saw the SNL bit. <laughs> oh, there's an SNL bit on it? I need to go watch that. Yeah, but, uh, it's Keenan Thompson. It's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. Uh yeah, Sanders was basically like, "Hey, I think, I think, like, I'm in love with this game. I don't think you guys are in love this, with this game. I think you guys are in like with this game." Yep. And he was talking about the players, the coaches, and they have to really go and think about if they want to be a part of it moving forward. And then he was like, "You know, I mean, 
he said that they they're going to practice that next morning. He was just like, God bless, mm -hmm. have a good night. And then, you know, I can only imagine what practice looked, look, look, what practice looked like the next day with all that oh. cardio that they had to do. But, uh, Oh yeah, that, that's getting after it. And, and you know what? I, a lot of people don't love the Dion stuff, right? Everyone thinks it's kind of a bit, uh, he's running it up. I actually like Dion. I think Dion does a good job. And, to me, what he's doing right now proves to me that he is in love with the game. Dion doesn't have to do this. Dion was on NFL oh, yeah. Network. He was doing his own thing. Dion Sanders is a good coach. He was able to go out and recruit five-star players and get them on his team. He has a lot of young guys. The problem is building through the trenches, it takes a long time. They always say O-linemen age like fine wine because <laughs> it takes you a while to be in control of your body get that flexibility. Most of these kids, when they come out of high school, they're fat. No offense to those kids. I was fat too. I was an old lineman. <laughs> I get it. You're fat. You don't bend. You can't move well. You're like Bambi. Most of you have Osgood slaughters because you were too tall. Your knees hurt all the time. It takes time to be able to get your body to move and to be able to lift and look like a college old lineman. Not all 300 pounders are good 300 pounders. You got to get the good weight on you. And that just, frankly, it takes time. Will Dion be in Colorado long enough for that to take place? I don't know, because I think there's going to be a couple jobs in Florida and Texas that are open, and I think they're going to start calling Dion because it is true. He is a great recruiter, and he's going to be able to get these players in, and he gets a decent coaching staff. The air raid that he's doing offensively, it's fantastic football. Defensively, I can't tell if it's a good coach scheme or if – they're just weak in certain spots or if it's a bad scheme and they're weak, so it makes it worse. I think time's going to tell on that as you get more and more of Dion's players in. But when I look at this, I do think there's a lot of guys who are in like with this game and with this team. And you can see it on the sidelines. That corner that was screaming and yelling at Dion, there's no reason for that. You messed up. You made a bad play. You need to fix it. A lot of these guys are front runners right now for them. They're like, they want to do this. <laughs> they don't always want to do this on film. <laughs> Shiloh Sanders is a senior. Shadur is a junior. We'll see how many years beyond Shadur Dion ends up staying there. You know, right. if things right. don't continue in, or if they don't go in that the right direction, if he takes a bigger opportunity somewhere. I, I would assume he has to stay with Shadur because if Shadur were to transfer, unless he graduated, I believe he would have to sit out the year so it doesn't make sense for him. And then, again, the NIL stuff is weird, and I'm sure we'll get into it more with Caleb Williams. Yeah. Uh, but with Shador, he's – right now it sounds like he's making more money staying in college. So if you're Shador – now, it's not like he's hurting for money. He's Deion Sanders' kid, <laughs> and Deion is on every freaking commercial known to man right now. For every and then I saw that there was on. like uh, – I think – Actually, it was LeBron James's son, I believe, and like all of LeBron James's friend, uh, son's friends were on this Nike commercial. So it's basically right. if you're just connected with this family, you know, right? You're, you're, you're getting, raking it in. You're getting, you're getting something. You're getting a you're getting a piece of the pie, right? Uh, but I would stay. You know, right now uh, the way the the rookie pay scale works, stay stay in college. If you're not going to be that number one guy, Shador isn't going to be that number one guy. Stay. The next QB class isn't quite as good as this one. Um, you have Drake May and Caleb Williams, who are for sure one, two, and 
they're talking about Caleb Williams being in a very elite special class and Drake may any other year is a number one guy stay in college another year, continue to improve. Who knows? Maybe your dad gets some better transfers in there in the trenches and you're actually making a run at something next year. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Caleb Williams, let's go to uh, USC and Notre Dame. So number 10 Ooh. USC heads over to Indiana faces number 21 Notre Dame. And we kind of saw this one coming. We didn't know when it was going to happen, but this looked like a prime matchup for it to happen where right. Notre Dame just took advantage of the USC defense. Notre Dame's defense got after USC. They got Caleb mm-hmm. Williams six times, six sacks in the game. He uh, completed 23 of 37, 199 yards, one touchdown, three picks. And yep. uh, USC loses 48 to 20. So, I, I'm not Nostradamus, but sometimes I can see the future. <laughs> and there, are, there is going to be someone who goes on first take or undisputed and says that Drake May should go number one, and they're going to cite this game because this is the worst Caleb Williams has looked, I think, ever. And I don't want to say that it's because it's the first real defense he's played because I think that downplays Utah from last year. Uh, but this is probably the second or third best defense that he's played against. And this Notre Dame team got pressure on Caleb, and he looked mortal. He had two bad, bad interceptions that were his fault, and that led to 21 points, right? So if you look at this game, and I think it's lame to blame one individual person, but when you look at his three turnovers, it is the reason that USC lost this game because it led to a 21-point swing uh, based on Notre Dame intercepting the ball and being able to score offensively, uh, or I believe there was a pick six as well in there. So when you look at this game, this is the worst you've ever seen Caleb Williams. Is that because he's trying too much, or is it because for the first time in his career, he actually had pressure in his face? What do they always say about quarterbacks? You want to make a good quarterback into a crappy quarterback? Get pressure on him because they all turn mortal. Even Tom Brady who was pretty good against blitzing early on his career, he was mortal to pressure in his face because you stop looking downfield and you stop looking at all your reads. And you You're just trying to survive at that point. In front. Exactly. And I mean, and that pressure yeah. killed him. He was able to move around in the pocket and, you know, trying to avoid the defender, the defenders. But after you avoid a defensive end, a defensive lineman, then from the other angle, it's just too much time. You don't have a chance. Right, right. Well, I mean, that interception, the very first interception, you've got a tight end pop pass. You're just trying to float it up to your tight end. He's got pressure right in his face. So instead of leaning into the throw and putting it right on his guy, he steps off his back foot. He lobs it up and over. It goes just over his tight end's reach right into the safety. And I, and I do actually agree with uh, Martinez here. I think the USC defense was okay. That was about as good as they were going to do, you know? <laughs> Caleb, Williams, Caleb Williams killed you. It's the first time that I think we've ever said in the last two years where the defense did good and Caleb Williams is the reason you lost. Usually it's flipped where it's like the defense is the reason you almost lost and Caleb Williams put his crown on and dominated. Right. And I, I predicted this. I yelled about it. And of course I bet USC. I still lost. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, man. You'll get I it knew back. it was coming. You'll get it back. Man, I want all the others. 
Two there and you well, go. Two and one. Two and one. And then with Caleb Williams, I saw today Barstool's posted, and you, you saw this post. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. apparently, Caleb Williams is going to be trying or has reached out. Their um, representation has reached out and wants to be a part owner of whatever team drafts him. And yeah. that apparently Aaron Rodgers tried to be a part or owner of the Jets as a part of the deal. But... Uh, Again, apparently, um, the NFL right. rules don't allow players to own teams, so that that was shot down for Aaron Rodgers, and of course for Caleb Williams, that would be shot down as well. Right. Interesting to try to leverage it that way, and you know, as I mentioned in the short that I made, the, this whole NIL thing is going to be a game changer as far as players that have years mm-hmm. to go in college to be able to leverage and be able to really pick which team is going to pick them. Right. But I also don't think you're going to get that much leverage. Like, people instantly go, uh, this is unprecedented. No, it's not unprecedented, right? Like, John Elway picked where he went. Uh, Eli Manning picked where he went, right? So this has happened a couple times. But you have a finite amount of time where you are eligible to play college football. So you get to a point where you have to leave. He's not going to get ownership. You are slotted into the amount of money that you get, right? You're you're not going to get ownership equity. No team would be dumb enough to do that, even if they could do that, because if you you're going to give ownership equity to a dude who only played in college, half of those first round QBs are busts anyways. I know that we're all talking about how he's you know can't miss prospect. He's this. He's that. Well, let's go down the list of guys who were can't miss. I mean, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota were supposed to be can't miss. Neither one of them is a starter anymore. Jamarcus Russell couldn't watch film. Uh, you know, Anthony Achilles Richardson out of the season. Ryan Leaf, right? So you have all these guys who were bust, like legitimate bust, who never amounted to anything. You're there's no team that's going to give him equity. It's dumb. And I think right now what they're doing is they're posturing. I think he is going to try and pick where he can go, which I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue. If you hold some of the leverage, for sure, man, see what you can get out of it. If you think you have a better deal somewhere else, try and make that happen. But here's the problem. Caleb Williams has one more year, I believe, and he's got to come out. So he's either got to come out this year or he's got to come out next year. And so if he has to come out in one of these two years, if you decide not to come out this year, hey, I'm going to stay, I'm going to make more money at NIL. And then next year, one of those teams that you didn't want to go to and you didn't want to play for, they get the number one pick, your SOL. So I, I think that this is a lot more posturing and it's a lot of, I don't know if it's management. I don't know if it's an agent. I hear his dad is involved in a lot of this stuff too. Someone in his camp never turns out well when family gets involved. <laughs> that or a pastor, right? Never works out well. It, it, it's someone trying, thinking they have more leverage than they really do. Because at the end of the day, what's he going to do? Well, I made my NIL money in college and now I'm just done. That's not going to happen. So it's posturing. It's a little bit to me like Dame will only play in Miami. Well, guess where Dame's playing? He's playing in Milwaukee. I think time will kind of alleviate some of those issues. And I saw some of the comments on Barstool's post. You know, it's like, here's an example of how you make ownership, coaches, players, everyone hate you, is to 
be a, or asked to be a part owner of a team that you haven't even right. you haven't even proven yourself. I mean, you have in college, but that's right. a huge ask. And then what your coach is an employee of you of you, right? Yeah, right. Also, um, what if you get there and after two years you're like, hey, I really don't want to be here anymore. You're gonna play for another team, but I'm Caleb has put up um, another has put up his share of ownership for sale. Right. Like that, it just, it just doesn't work that way. I think it's yeah. more, to me, it's more of, oh my goodness, he wants ownership stake. Whoa, that's crazy. And then you really think about <laughs> it and you're like, no, he, that's he not can't happening. have it. That, that won't work. And that's not, that's not how life works. Yeah. Uh, maybe if he does reach Patrick Mahomes' uh, ability, he'll own uh, a part of a baseball team or a soccer team like Mahomes does, but he's not owning a football team. They didn't even let Tom Brady have equity when he tried to go to the Dolphins. I really think that that article where it came out that Brady tried to get equity is why everyone now thinks that they can get equity. No, <laughs> you can't. You're not Tom Brady. And even he couldn't get it. So like, maybe I can try this. We'll see. We'll see if it works out differently. Right. Uh, with, with DX gaming, who is winning the Heisman this year? Is it still, is Caleb the front runner? Is Michael Panix the front runner? I think Panix has to be the front runner. I, re I really do right now. When you look at it, he is leading the NCAA in passing yardage. Uh, I don't know if he's leading in passing touchdowns, but he's going to be right up there. In most of these games, uh, you know, he's doing it in three quarters. Here's the irony. Oregon had a really good game against Michael Penix. They held him to the least amount of yards he had all year. He had 302. He hasn't had a game where he had less than 302. Oh, by the way, his second best wide receiver didn't play in the game. Right? So he's still going to get another target back, another weapon. I think right now it has to be Penix. He has the true Heisman moment. He's rapping on the sidelines, creating his own verses, his own cipher with McMillan, gets the ball back, two plays, dot, dot, touchdown. He's playing that game through cramping. The dude could barely walk. He looked like he had the bubble guts. Like he's holding onto his <laughs> stomach the entire time. He is going to be the Heisman, at least if the Heisman was given out today, he's winning the Heisman. Now there's plenty of time, you know, it goes away if he gets hurt or if, you know, you go into the last five weeks, you have, I don't know, Dylan Gabriel out at, or, at Oklahoma. Um, you could possibly have Quinn Ewers have a couple huge games. Jordan Travis, someone that we've been very quiet on uh, at Florida State. If he has some big games, they still have some big games left. That could be a huge jump. And then quietly, someone that we're not talking about, uh, I guess two guys we're not really talking about, uh, the Corum kid out at Michigan, he is running all over fools and scoring a bunch of touchdowns and doing it that way. Also, Drake May. UNC is undefeated right now. He is slinging the rock around, and they have a bunch of really big games coming up in their next five. That's going to be a huge deal because you have to remember, most of this voting gets done before – the championship games. So before the Pac-12 championship, Big 12 championship, Big 10 championship, most of that voting is done. So you got to get it done in these next five. Drake May is someone that I might keep an eye on. So passing leaders actually this year, Shadur Sanders is in first. Uh, he has oh, he 100, him. 119 yards more than Michael Penix right now. Michael Penix is number mm -hmm. two. Uh, Jaden Daniels is three. And then Nicholas... Batayato with MT, MTSU. Um, 
Middle Tennessee State University. And then uh, Caleb Williams is at eight. Um, yeah. As far as passing touchdowns, Caleb Williams leads the country with 23. Jaden Daniels, Shadur Sanders, and then Penix is fourth with 20. So Penix is fourth. Oh, that's right, because he only threw one or none against Arizona, and he fell. That dropped him. That's right. Yeah. I got to um, play hobbies, man. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't I mean, watched too much football. <laughs> that is that is cool to have a you know a, a a job like that that where it's just sports talking sports right. watching well, all the games that's that's what you that's what you get paid to do. <laughs> there's a lot of things in my brain that uh, it would be cooler if I spent my time focusing on like oh I don't know world hunger solving that or yeah. <laughs> world peace <laughs> or but I know how said... to like weld and make a car out of nothing or something you know <laughs> right right if, if I break down on the side of the road AAA gets called so fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah right but I can tell them how I think I have a spare tire somewhere <laughs> but um I pop my, uh... <laughs> Um, so, okay, let's get into, uh, the game that I don't want to talk about, but, uh, all the haters, I noticed that it was last. About. I noticed and it especially was last. with me talking about the PAC 12 litigation and Washington state, Oregon state, well, people are commenting, Hey, Washington state should just stop being a school maybe because they suck at football. Well, I mean, the past two, two games have not looked good. Uh, no. Washington state was ranked nine. We talked about this last week and you called it that it's the perfect setup for, Arizona to walk into Pullman on homecoming weekend against the Cougs and to upset them there. And we had seen that Arizona had really close games against USC and UW. Right. And we were pretty nervous about it. We thought that they, Washington state would pull it off, but they hammered down the throttle 44 to six. Right. Well, I think you have two things here at play. One, this Arizona team is a lot better than people give them credit for it. Jed Fish came in and he took over a team that was absolutely horrific over someone. They were losing. I don't think they were using all of their scholarships. Guys were gone. They weren't getting D1 football players. It was not good. They won like one game his first year that he was there. And he has slowly built this program up. Now, I think they're going to be a bowl team. You know, I think that they're going to knock off another team or two. I think they beat Colorado, so then you got to find one more win in there uh, for Arizona, and they still have to play Arizona State. So I think this is a bold team, maybe even a 7-8 win team. They are a lot better than people give them credit for, and once Delora went out, they've looked like a completely different offense with the young uh, kid in there. I believe it's Fifta is how you say his name. Vita. Fifta, Vita, something like that. Yeah. I'm horrible horrible with pronouncing names um but the kid has come in and he's completely transformed that offense and they're moving the ball all over teams through the air the other issue that you have old cam ward has come back we talked about it after they beat oregon state of like look at the growth that cam ward has had he's playing fantastic he doesn't make the same mistakes that he did last year he's super efficient with the football he doesn't make them turnovers and then the last two games, he struggled against UCLA. Now, I think UCLA's defense is better than people give them credit for, but he still was making some old Cam Ward decisions. Against Arizona, it was old Cam Ward from last year. It looked like beginning of the season Cam Ward from last year. He was slow on his reads. There wasn't much anticipation. When he was running, he wasn't looking down the field. It looked like old Cam Ward, almost like he let UCLA beat him twice. A lot of those old habits, they reared up. 
I wonder to a degree if he was sniffing his own farts a little bit, right? You come out, everyone's telling you how great you've been. You beat Oregon State, a team you weren't supposed to beat. Now we're talking about, hey, you've got the easiest schedule left. You don't have to play any of these big teams. You just got to beat Oregon or UW. All of a sudden, now you're kind of back where we thought you were going to be. And you're looking at an Oregon team that, frankly, when Dan Lanning's teams lose, they usually come out pretty pissed off the next game. Uh, Last year when Oregon lost to UW, they had to play Utah right away, right after. They looked pissed off. And they looked ready to go out, fly around. And they won a game that they probably shouldn't have because Bo Nix couldn't even move. Well, now you're going to be pissed off and everybody's healthy. So can WSU get back to what they were doing against Oregon State, against Oregon? I have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, and we'll preview that game in a little bit. But looking at Arizona. And then they have UCLA directly after that. So that Oregon State-Arizona game will be a big tell of what kind of team they really are. Yeah, uh, when I look when I look at this uh, Arizona team, I I think they can just sneak up on on another team or two. This, they're the classic. They win two or three games that you go. How did they win those games? They shouldn't win those games, but they do because it's the Pac-12 and everyone is about the same, right? Uh, you go into a game with UW. And it's at home and you shouldn't be in that game and you hold Michael Penix to one passing touchdown and it's close at the end. Okay. Well, USC won't overlook you. You jump out to a 17 point lead against USC at their place, a game you shouldn't be in at all. Talent wise WSU, you get them off the loss. They should be pissed off. It's homecoming. Everybody should be going nuts. Yet you beat them. Jet fish is coaching this team. Well, they look competent using the young kid at quarterback they're slinging the rock around defensively they're flying around making plays they believe in what he is coaching those team those guys and that team to do they are a good quality football team they are going to be a seven to eight win team and they're going to knock one more team off i truly think that you can't tell me that when you look at that arizona team that there isn't some Pac-12 after dark shenanigans that they're going to ensue, that they're going to sneak up on somebody. They're going to come out and sneak out a win that they probably should. We have now gone to a solo, and I don't know if that's me or if that is uh, Connor. So we're just going to keep talking uh, a little bit about this Pac-12 schedule and these Pac-12 teams. Um, So as we go through it, I think uh, when you look at this Arizona team, you've officially found out that they are for real. This is what they are going to be most of this year, right? Um, when I when I look at this Washington State team, how do they fix what they've been going through and the issues that they've had? I think that the way to fix their issues is you have to get Cam Ward back, and you have to get him back to playing the way he was at the beginning of the season. If Cam Ward plays like he did at the beginning of the season – you are going to get back to your winning ways. Now, I don't think that you beat this Oregon team. They are pissed off. They're mad. The world is laughing at them, and they know that their back is against the wall, and they have to go perfect. And they know they've got a couple big games coming up, right? So 
they are going to go after this Wazoo team. The best thing that Wazoo can do is have six, seven guys blocking for Cam Ward when he wants to throw deep. Get a lot of quick passing game out. Get tunnel screens, right? Get bubble screens going. Get the ball out of Cam Ward's hand. Give him easy reads. Flip the ball out to the running back quickly. Because if you are able to do these things, maybe you can get his confidence back. Because he still is a young quarterback. He's still young. I believe he's at 14, 15 starts on his career in FBS level. So give him time. Give him easy reads. Get back to what you were doing early. And hopefully he can turn back into efficient Cam Ward. Sorry, the stream dropped for me for a second, so I just got back into it. Were you talking uh, Washington State? Oregon? I just stayed. I stayed. I stayed Washington State, uh, Arizona. Got a little bit of Washington, Oregon. My bad, Martinez. Penix had no TDs in that game. I I thought he had one. Maybe it was Williams who had one passing touchdown. Yeah, I mean that just talks to yeah Arizona's defense and how good they've been. They're good, man. Jed yeah. Fish, the Fisher. <laughs> He's good. And then. UCLA or Oregon State, and then we'll get into uh, some previews for this coming week. Uh, UCLA ranked 18, went into Corvallis. Oregon State ranked 15. Oregon State held their line, and they they took down UCLA 36 to 24. So Oregon yeah. State is now ranked 12 heading into this week. You had a good DJU game. When you get good DJU games, this is what this Oregon State team can be. It's why you lost to Washington State. You didn't have a good DJU game, or at least you didn't have a good DJU first half. When DJU goes out and plays well for this Oregon State team, there's nothing that they can't do because he gives you two things that none of the other quarterbacks that you've had at Oregon State so far have given you. He gives you an ability to throw the football, and he gives you an ability to have a quarterback that can run physically and downhill on teams, and you don't have to worry, much like old-school Cam Newton, of your quarterback getting hurt, right? Like, he can just go in and beat teams up. This is a good UCLA team with a really good UCLA defense, and you just put up a ton of points on them. You're going into the bye week now. I like that you keep using Aiden Childs every three to four series. It switches things up, but it also gives a different stimulus for the defense because I think he has a more accurate football, and he can make more of the deep throws better than DJU can. Now, he's not going to be able to run as well as DJU right now, but he's going to make a lot of the throws that DJU can't. And it makes it, you know, you prepare for something that most teams you wouldn't have to prepare for. When you look at this Oregon State team, you kind of have an easy road, not easy, but not as difficult of a road on your schedule until you go, I believe you go UW Oregon back to back. So you got to be perfect the rest of the way if you're the Beavers, if you want a chance at that Pac 12 championship. If you're a fan of the Pac 2, they have to go perfect, but I do think they have that uh, ability if DJU can keep playing the way he has been. Yeah, they've got at Arizona next, so that'll be a real test. Then they got at Cal at Colorado versus Stanford, so at least the Stanford one will be a nice, right. you know, setup game for versus Washington, and then at Oregon to end it. Well, I think, and I, to be honest with you, I I really do think that Colorado is in. I think they're in trouble. Oh, for um, sure. Looking at their schedule, I, especially. Well, but going up against Oregon State, I think that might almost be an easier game for Oregon State than the Stanford game because of the way Oregon State runs the football. They pound the rock. So what's Colorado going to have to do? They're going to have to go man coverage and suck everybody in. And that's where DJU survives. And that's where he thrives, to be honest with you. And he can attack uh, the way that they play. 
So if you can get through Arizona, which you should, you're coming off a bye, you beat Arizona, you win your next two games, you're playing two meaningful games in November. And to be honest, I think you match up with UW and with Oregon well because your brand of football is so different than everybody else. Those will be good matchups too. Really good. Right. Great matchup. But again, it all depends on DJU. If he is able to add that passing game in and he is accurate with the football and he doesn't make mistakes, those games are absolutely freaking huge and you can win them. When he starts making mistakes against those better defenses, then this just turns into a nine to 10 win team instead of a special, special team in Corvallis. Yeah. And kind of answering Martinez's question, what happens if Arizona beats Oregon state, then Arizona or uh, Oregon state, you know, falls out of that potential contention. Yeah. You're, you're uh, probably out of, you're probably out of the PAC 12 uh, championship. I mean, weirder things have happened, right? Like there's a chance that, you know, Arizona knocks off Oregon State. Oregon State beats Oregon. Oregon loses to another team. So then Oregon State sneaks in. A two-loss team I don't think gets into the college football playoff. But to say that a two-loss Pac-12 team couldn't get into the Pac-12 championship and couldn't have a possibility to win the Pac-12 championship, I think that's a lunacy uh, to a degree. Arizona is going to mat- match up well. They're going to go after and beat him up. I, I'm sorry, Sean. I, I, Noah didn't get enough games. I don't know if he'll catch up with Penix. He he didn't get enough games. He's oh, he's got. What's the minimum games right. he have to have? If there's no minimum, it's just your stats aren't going to be good. Yeah, he's just like, too far back you, at this point. You can't miss what he, he missed. What four or five games? You can't miss four or five games and get in next year. Yeah, because I assume that Delora won't be starting again for them, but. You never know. I I would not start Delora. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about a fall from grace? Give you Jaden Delora. Now getting into this week, uh, let's preview right. a couple games or a few games. So starting off with Washington State versus Oregon, get that one out of the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so last week we talked about Arizona heading into Pullman, uh, homecoming weekend for Washington State, and we called or you called the potential upset. It might be the same situation here to where Washington State is now heading into Autzen Stadium, number nine, Oregon, potentially to take them down. Uh, the spread right now is at 20. What are your thoughts on on that game? Uh, my thoughts are you're going to get a really pissed off Oregon team. And I've said this before, uh, and I said it kind of while you were out, right? Uh, Oregon plays pissed off after losses under Dan Lanning. I think Oregon comes out and they want to beat up on – wazoo they want to show them hey our backs against the wall but we still think that we have everything for us bo Nix had a great quote uh after the game where he was talking about how this is a team where we want to have our backs against the wall we're not done i want to play for each of these guys they want to play for me i know that they all believe in coach lanning and they know that he what he was doing was he was putting his trust in his players he went for it on fourth down because he thought his players could go out there and they could stop that UW team if they didn't get that fourth down. Obviously, that didn't happen. I think they come in pissed off. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to – I can't bet the game anyways. It's Washington um, colleges. I can't bet those games up at the casino that I like to go to. Um, but 
I don't think that they necessarily cover this spread, especially if Cam Ward can turn into the beginning of the season, Cam Ward. Get the ball out fast. Get him throwing halo screens, tunnel screens, bubble screens, quick slants. Um, if you're going to throw it deep, give him extra protection. Give him that sixth guy, that seventh guy. Run the football well. Because if you can do these things, I think that you can get Cam Ward back to being what he was at the beginning of the year, which was a confident quarterback who trusted in his abilities and didn't make stupid mistakes. Right now, I think after that UCLA game, he got a little rattled. He wasn't expecting UCLA to play him the way that he did. And he's reverted back to a lot of his old mistakes and a lot of his old habits. And that's what's killing Wazoo right now. When they were winning, they were winning because he was flying around and he wasn't thinking. He was just being Cam Ward. The minute he starts thinking, it becomes paralysis by analysis. He waits too long. There's no anticipation. And then he's throwing interceptions or he's getting sacked. Let Cam Ward be Cam Ward. When Cam Ward can be Cam Ward, you have a pretty good team. I don't think that they cover – I don't think that Oregon covers this spread. I would bet it's more of a two-touchdown game. Yeah, it's going to be do or die for Oregon for their playoff chances and Pac-12 champion, uh, championship chances. Mm-hmm. Washington State, we'll see if they can pull it together. It should be a good game, uh, at least for my hopes. Um, I would course. think so the line's 20, but yeah, we'll see. I would see. think so. It's in Autzen. That's a tough place to play. Right. I would think it's, I would think it's within 14 or 17. Anything more would kind of surprise me. Yeah. And then next we got Utah and USC. That's going to be a great game. It's number 14, Utah heading down to Los Angeles to face number 18. Now USC. What do you, what do you see there? What a fall from grace. Is there any word on rising? Have we gotten anything on if he's playing or not? Are they Cam still rising. going with the old guy? I, I've i gotten to the point now where um, it's kind of like old school uh, Brett Favre watch. Like, will Brett Favre come back or will he not? <laughs> That's what Cam Rising has kind of turned into. At this point also, even if he did come back, how rusty is he going to be? You know what I mean? So I know he's getting reps in practice and he's doing stuff, but the doctor won't clear him or something like that. So that's why he hasn't played. They're being all coy. Um, at this point, I still like this USC team. You're going in at home. Do you really think Caleb Williams is going to have back-to-back bad games? And he's he's going to be upset. That he, right. And he's shown that he can do well um, against this Utah defense when he has his running ability. The minute he got stuck in the pocket is where they struggled last year. He also has a lot of his uh, targets back, especially the young kids, Zachariah Brandt. Dude's an absolute stud. So I think they, I think USC is able to win this game. I think they get a little bit of payback. And I think that they also understand that, well, that loss last week doesn't do anything to their Pac-12 standings. It does a lot to their standings, you know, countrywide. If they want to get back into this and have a race, because even if, if they do have one loss, they'll get into the college football playoff too. Um, they got to beat this Utah team. That, that defense has to show that they can stop a fourth-string quarterback or a first-game returning Cam Rising, and they got to show that they can score the ball and score the ball quickly and efficiently. And I'm not betting on Caleb Williams to have two bad games in a row. Let's see here. So right now the line is USC by seven. So Yeah, yeah, uh, that that sounds right to me. That sounds about, about right. Seven-point game. Uh, I could see it, you know, maybe Utah has a field goal in there somewhere. So it ends up being a four point game. Maybe USC um, ends up getting a couple extra points here or there. Uh, so it's 
they win by 12, but yeah, that's about <laughs> right. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Um, we had a comment here. What's the final score for this coming Washington game? So Washington is going to be at home versus Arizona State. The spread right now is 26 and a half Washington. I mean, obviously it's going to be a blowout. What's the final score going to be? 42 to 14? <laughs> I here's, here's the problem with this UW team. This is the perfect letdown spot. Perfect letdown spot. You have just had this huge game where you had a bye week. All you did for two week, weeks was think about Oregon. It's your rival. It is literally knock them out, sock them out, drag them out type of a game. This is the perfect college letdown game. The problem is you're playing Arizona State, who is on their like fourth string, fifth string quarterback, right? I don't think they get Rashada back yet. Um, I think UW starts slow. I really think they start this game slow. Uh, I think that they got beat up a little bit in that game. Uh, I know Pennix was having a lot of cramping and issues like that. Now, that's not necessarily something that he might have to deal with uh, in this game. But whenever it comes to ribs, I always defer to that injury taking longer to recover from. Uh, But uh, they probably win this game by three or four scores. Um, Yeah. You know, I don't think Arizona State – Arizona State's not getting more than 14 and so probably 42 to 14, 48 to 14, somewhere in there. Yeah. So maybe, I, maybe they do cover. <laughs> <laughs> now that I talk myself into it, they just start slow and then they score a thousand points. There you go. And then, um, yeah, the last one in the Pac-12 this week is UCLA headed to Stanford. Nothing too crazy here. UCLA is going to take care of Stanford down in well, Stanford. Beat them up. But Man, there are a few national but there are a few national games that we want to talk about. So the big one from what it, what it looks like is uh, number seven, Penn state heading to number three, Ohio state right now, the, the Lions four game. and a half Ohio state, both teams are six and oh, this is going to be huge for playoff in, implications. What do you see in that matchup? Right. So not a way, not to give away my pick. I'm going to stay away from it. If you want to see what my pick is, head over to my Twitter, at Will Ortner. All lowercase, it'll get sent out tomorrow. Uh, it's also going to be on 1080 The Fan, so make sure that you check that out. I'm going to have my three best bets uh, for college football. I think I'm at – I think I'm right around 70% this year. Oh. I think I'm – I got to look at the numbers again, but I think I think I'm 13-7-1. and one. I think I think that's right. I think it's thirteen seven and one. So I'll that puts it. me somewhere. I'm over five hundred, right? So that's positive. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to give away my pick. This is a huge game. It's in. Uh, it's at Ohio State. Um, so right now, if this was a neutral site game, they say Ohio State would be favored by a, a point and a half. I love what this Ohio State team has done. I was not a believer in McCord. He has slowly made me a believer. That was a tough game against Notre Dame. And he was able to make enough plays to get the job done. Obviously, you have probably the best wide receiver prospect in the last 20 or so years, Marvin Harrison Jr. Don't sleep on Emika either. Uh, That's the Z on the opposite side. This Ohio State team is really good. Defensively, they're going to smack teams around. Here's the thing. This Penn State team is supposed to be built to beat this Ohio State team, right? They always have close games. These are always drag them out type of games. Uh, I like this Allard kid out at Penn State. James Franklin is really smart. He knows how to put his team in positions to win, and we know he loves to cover spreads. 
go do fake knees and hand the ball off for no reason when he's up by 14 in games to make sure that he covers the spread for his donors. <laughs> I think that this is a good spot for Penn State. And this is really what we said at the beginning of the year, right? Big 10 is a three-team race. This is the first time you get to see two of those teams play. And Penn State, Ohio State, big nooner. Couldn't be more excited. Awesome. Yeah, definitely have to watch that one. And then another big one is in the SEC, number 17 taking on number 11, Alabama, down in Alabama. Uh, the spread yeah. right now is Alabama by nine. Mm-hmm. Do you think Alabama holds it in this one? Hey, they what do they call this rivalry? It's the third Saturday in October. That's what they always say when it comes to Tennessee and Alabama. Huge for Tennessee to win the rivalry for the first time in like 15 years or something like that last year. Here's going to be the key. Can Milton complete a pass? If Milton can complete a pass, this is going to be a pick It really is. Milton has the biggest arm in all of college football. I think they found a video where he, he threw like an orange or something stupid like that, 80 yards so in the air. Yeah, the dude is an absolute freak. There's a reason he was a five-star QB. The problem is he has no accuracy. So when the, when the kid's out there throwing the ball well and throwing it accurately, this Tennessee team can compete with anybody. The problem is, is he going to be able to do that? My, my natural inclination, and I didn't bet this game, so uh, just be aware of that. But my natural inclination is to lean Alabama. It's minus nine. Every single time this year that I've kind of been like, all right, Alabama's done. We're going to see them lose to an SEC team. They're going to lose to Ole Miss here. Uh, they seem to have found a way to win, especially with Milrow at quarterback. He's not the best QB they've had. He's actually probably the worst one that they've had in a long time. But he can run the ball, and that gives you the best chance to win. This defense is still an Alabama defense. If they can get pressure on Milton, stop Milton, this Tennessee team isn't going to do much, much like they did against Florida where they struggled in the swamp. I think this Alabama team wins, and I think it's going to be right at that number. And then the final um, ranked versus ranked that we haven't talked about a classic ACC rivalry, right? It's, it's number 16 Duke versus number four, Florida state in Florida. I mean, Duke, I didn't know anything about Duke football before this year. Right. Right. Um, are they for real? <laughs> well, it's the QB kids starting is Riley Leonard, because that's going to be the difference between if they win this game or not. I think they are for real. Personally, you went out and you beat Clemson. This isn't Clemson of five years ago. But this is still a good Clemson team. That's a 9-10 win team uh, out at Clemson, I would think, right? Riley Leonard, he got hurt in their game against Notre Dame. He got his ankle rolled up on. Um, So we'll see how he does. Maybe his mom will tell him that he sucks enough and he'll come (laughs) out and play. Did you see that, by the way? Apparently his mom texts texts him like, you suck before every game to fire him up. That's the (laughs) dumbest He punches himself in the face and then throws on the helmet and gets out there. Right. Like, there's no way that he's like, my mom thinks I suck. Oh, I'm motivated, yeah. (laughs) It's so dumb. It's like when you have your girlfriend be like, babe, the other guy, um, the other quarterback on the other team's hot. Shut up. Everyone knows it's fake. Everyone knows it's not real. It's dumb. Let it go. Uh, It's Florida State. I think what you said the spread was right, right around 13. Um, let me go back. Let me take a look here. I believe it's right around 13, 13 and a half, something like that. Uh, I, I think I lean with Florida State here. 
Um, that Coleman kid at wide receiver is an absolute savage. He had a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook catch in the last <laughs> game against Syracuse. Insane. And this uh, Jordan Travis kid, look, going into the year, people talked about him being a Heisman Trophy candidate, being a possible Heisman Trophy winner. All he's done is gone out and win football games, and we've forgotten about him because the Pac-12 has been so high-flying. This is the perfect opportunity for him to go out and have a huge game and reassert himself back into the conversation. Uh, so I would lean Florida State here. Yeah, and it looks like the line is 14 and a half. So. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, especially with Leonard not playing. That sounds about right. Well, cool. I think that does it for this week. Um, appreciate your time, Will. It's really fun week of football that we just saw. It's going to be another fun weekend and we'll see how things look next Tuesday. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sorry that we had to push it back a, a day, but I appreciate everyone for texting in uh, and calling in. That was fantastic. I do have one plug cause I'm shameless and I want people to see my ugly mug as much as possible. <laughs> um, so tomorrow night, 7.30, Vancouver Public Schools. Uh, I believe it's VPS Game Time. Uh, you can go onto their Twitter or you can head on over to their YouTube. I am going to be calling as uh, one of the analysts the Hawkinson High School, Hudson's Bay High School football game. This is a big deal. Uh, right now, it looks like both teams are tied in league standings. Winner of that game probably uh, gives themselves a playoff berth um, if the loser of this game would need a lot of help next week to be able to get into the playoffs. So it could be the first time that Hudson's Bay gets back into the playoffs in probably ever. Um, I know that's wrong, but it's been a while for Hudson's Bay and for Hawkinson's Hawkins, been a good team for years. They have and then been Hudson's they, Bay they hasn't been off. there. Yeah. Right. Well, in Hawkinson, they fell off. So I think this is it. This would be the third year um, that they haven't been to the playoffs. So, Hawkinson wants to make sure that they get out. So if you have an opportunity, I really appreciate it. Tune into that. Uh, you get to see my ugly mug, at least for a little bit. And uh, that's all high school run. It's all high school uh, behind the scenes, camera operators, directors. It's a fantastic program that they have out there. Uh, tune in. They do a great job. We're going to have a lot of fun. And it's Thursday night football. That Jacksonville-New Orleans game, it's going to be over anyway. You want more football. You want to tune in. Might as well watch some high school football. Yeah. <laughs> right. See the future generation. Maybe there's some future <laughs> yeah. stars in that game. You never know. Well, yeah, congrats on that. We'll, I'll definitely have to check it out too. Um, but yeah, outside I of that, we'll, we'll be in touch. See you guys next week. Thank, thank you all for uh, watching and we'll see you later. That's it.